To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Hey, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So on today's episode, I have back on Santino Castellanos. Uh, I really like Santino. I've kept in touch with him the last handful of years, and he's just one of those guys that's consistently successful. Uh, great elk hunter, great mule deer hunter, uh, does a bunch of hunting with his boys. We talk about that in the podcast, and so we just dive in depth uh, uh, of what makes him consistently successful uh, his knowledge base and how he's built it uh, just made for a great conversation. I love the stories about him hunting with his boys as well, uh, as those guys got a, a great head start to the outdoors and backcountry hunting and are highly successful at a very young age, which is really impressive. So uh, we'll get right into the podcast. I just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. I want to thank Sig Sauer Optics. Uh, Sig Sauer Optics has building great optics I've been using for the last handful of years. So uh, I love their binos and, and they compete at a great price point and compete with all the best optics out there. I'm so impressed by them. So uh, I'm running their, uh, uh, their 11 by 45s as binos. Uh, I also have a pair of their 15 by uh, 56s, which are a great bino when they're tripoded up to glass over distant terrain, glass down in the timber. I love their scope, which has got great optical performance. It's got an 80 mil objective lens, 27 by 55 power. Uh, and I also like their range-finding binoculars. I got hooked on these last year. They've got a pair of um, 10 by 32s and also a pair of 16 by 45s that are lightweight. And this image stabilization is great. So when you come to a, a windy ridge or when you're freehand looking, it just makes a stable image. And I seem to pick out more deer with them. So I uh, really like these things as well. Best range-finders in the market. A great powerful laser that will shoot through grass. Uh, same readouts on light and dark targets, great angle compensation for those. So just a great bow finding range finder and also a rifle range finder. Uh, you can use the BDX system, which links it together with your scope and an app on your phone to tell you exactly where to hold. Uh, so just some great stuff coming out of there from Sig Sauer, and we really appreciate their support. I also want to thank Black Rifle Coffee Company. Uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company makes some of the best coffee I've ever had. Their instant packets are actually freeze-dried real coffee. They don't hurt my gut. I feel the same in the mountains. Ultra lightweight. Uh, just a great instant coffee. Uh, I also use their, their coffee tea bags. That makes a great cup of coffee. And then I'm part of their subscription. So every month they send me a new bag of coffee, and they're all good. Um, it's it's military-owned uh, uh, they have a bunch of veteran employees there. In fact, I just did a podcast with uh, Isaac Alleman, uh, just a great guy, great mule deer hunter, uh, and that'll be coming out here soon. But uh, Black Rifle Coffee Company just builds the, makes the best coffee out there. A great company that I love to put my dollars towards and uh, thank, the, thank those guys for their support. Over at Eastman's, um, we got a bunch of exciting things coming out. So I was just over at the office working on a couple items. 
Uh, but I've got a, a good article coming out in the brand new Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal all about high percentage stocks. Uh, so this will be coming out. You can get a subscription to both magazines for $50, a free outdoor edge knife, if you punch in the promo code ELEVATED321. Also, make sure to check out TagHub, our internet research tool, and also our premium membership that goes along with that, uh, that gives you access to uh, everything we do at Eastman's. Uh, but you can go on TagHub backslash Brian. There's a landing page there. Uh, save you some money at the end on checkout. And, um, man, yeah, we've got some good Beyond the Grids coming up. Uh, I'm excited to see this footage come out. So i uh, got to do um, a little bit more uh, voiceover in it. And uh, they're editing up some of those things right now for uh, release this year. So uh, I'll keep you guys in the loop on that. But you can find us on Eastman's Hunting TV on YouTube. Uh, search Beyond the Grid. You'll see those episodes come up. Uh, you can also find us on the Outdoor Channel on Eastman's Hunting TV as well. So set your DVR to that. And with that, man, let's get into this podcast. It's a great one with Santino. Um Guy's just um, out there putting in the work constantly and a really great hunter that's built his skill set and instincts to a level uh, where he can find consistent success. So a great conversation here this week. Uh, Santino Castellanos. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. Hey, I'm doing good. How about you? <laughs> doing good, uh, another year, uh, yeah, getting really excited for, uh, you know, draws and all that kind of stuff. So it's plugging away though, you know, after, uh, after Christmas and the holidays, it, you know, we had a real busy year last year, primarily just cause Aiden's, uh, in his senior year. So we did a lot more than what we normally do with travel and mixing in a few, like we went to Hawaii in October, which was crazy, but we got to hunt and that was fun. And so it was just a real busy year, but, uh, got the rest that I needed and, you know, turning the 2022 to make it hopefully a better year. You know, everything that's going on in our country. It's, uh, I'm excited for uh, 2022, man. Hopefully we can put some things behind us. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, it's it's wild. It it doesn't take long. Like uh, 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 both uh, uh, me and you, we, we stretch our hunting seasons as long as we can, you know, with hunting mule deer and hunting elk and, and they stretch into these late seasons and then hunting the desert. Uh, but it doesn't take too long after it's over to start missing it and start getting ready for the next year. And it it takes year-round dedication and year-round work to to be prepared for these hunting seasons to expect success. Yeah, no, for sure, man. How, how are things with you and the fam? Oh, doing good. Yeah, we're in um, Taylor's senior year this year, so uh, a bit of that same chaos. But yeah, trying to travel a bunch with them and uh, quality time and get her through her senior year and um, get her all ready for college. She's got a college picked out. So yeah, just busy, but everybody's doing really good. Did you hear about Willie? No. Did you see his post? No. So <clears throat> I talked with, uh, I know you know Willie, um, but or you guys have done a podcast before, but uh, last week he had a minor stroke after he finished a CrossFit workout. Oh, no. And the thank God everything's fine, but, like, it was just weird. He started having, like, numbness in his arm, a little tingle in his face, and then he went next door to this, like, fitness center next to his CrossFit gym. He was holding a water bottle and, like, fell out of his hand. 
And they're like, no, dude, you need to go to the doctor. So he met his wife, Sherry, or went to the doctors. I think somebody took him. And uh, the short of it was, you know, like, praise the Lord, but he was there for just a little, like, I think 26, 27 hours, something like that. And um, they didn't even know that he had had the stroke until they did the uh, CAT scan. But, like, he's fully functional. He's back home. He's taking it easy. He's going to be at the Western Hunt Expo, which will be cool. It'll be fun to see him. Um, but you know, he's one of my, one of my closest friends. Uh, you know, that's kind of how I got my in, in the outdoor industry was selling for a show. But, uh, yeah, we just, we just followed up. I got to pray with him over the weekend and, um, but he's back home and recovering, but it was just, just like a weird deal. And that dude's about as healthy as they come. It's absolutely healthy as they come. That guy's constantly working on his fitness and eating right. Um, man, that's, it's too bad. It's, um, it's great. He's, he's on the recovery and, and doing good, man. It's like, there's no guarantees in life. Is there? It's like you hedge your bets and take as good a care of yourself as you can, but there's just no guarantees. It's, um, we, we really got to enjoy it to the fullest, you know, while we're here and try to be present in the moment. Yeah. It's, I, I didn't even hear about that. Um, Man, I'm just glad he's doing okay. He's, he's one of the uh, most genuine people I've ever met. That guy is so kind and so nice. He goes out of his way to make sure he says hi to me, you know, wherever we see each other at or wherever we bump into each other. Like, he's just a great dude. Yeah, really, really good guy. Huh, he's how, he's how you got your start. Yeah, yeah. So um, when I, like, I, I went to... I had a buddy that started a product that never really took off, but he wanted to take, he wanted to bring it into the archery season or well into the archery um, world. And it was like a point for target shooting. And, uh, you know, I knew this guy through my wife's uh, family. They all like grew up together and he invited me at the time I was running fitness gyms. I used to run MMA kickboxing gyms and, um, I ended up going to ATA just, just for fun. And, you know, when, as soon as I got there, like I've always been like, a, you know, business minded. And when I got there, it was like, holy cow, man, I, I just fell in love with it. Like I had just started shooting a bow, but there was no hunting season. So I was shooting the bow like all winter. Um, you know, it was rifle season at that point. So I think I got my first bow around October and then shot it in, you know, through the new year, shooting a lot of paper and then was, you know, getting ready for like 3d tournaments. So I go to ATA and just like fell in love with it. And I was like, man, I, I'd love to try to find an opportunity to work in this space. Yeah. Even though I had the gym stuff, I, we were pretty successful at running these fitness gyms. Um, I ended up stepping into, you know, going to the show and <laughs> it was so funny. One of the guys, well, I wanted to meet two guys, Jim Shockey and Cam Haynes. And I bumped into Cameron Haynes, like, um, I think it was like the last day we were, Trying, like just kind of wrapping up and saying our goodbyes before we had to go to the airport. It was in Louisville, and I see Cam, and I asked this guy. I said, "Hey," I interrupted the conversation with that Cam was having with this gentleman. I said, "Hey, do you mind taking a picture of me and Cameron?" <laughs> and turned out that guy was Willie Schmidt. But Cameron's like, "Hey, man, you know, thank you know, Cam's always positive, and you know, we were getting ready for the picture." And he goes, "Where are you from?" I said, "Westminster, Colorado." And Willie's like, I'm from Westminster, Colorado. So he took the picture, and then I got I got introduced to Willie. And long story short, when we got back, we had lunch and got introduced to his production company. At the time, I was looking at making a a shift, and uh, the production company that Willie worked for, you know, more. I think Willie was looking for me just to go out and um, film a hunt because at the time, I think I, I had captured a few other hunts, and I started building like 
outdoor content. And he was like, man, I think this guy would be really good for our team. But then when I met the owner of the production company, Matt Tatusco, uh, he said, Hey man, you can run a camera, but I need a business development guy. And one of the first shows I ever sold for was for Willie. Wow. I had no so that, idea. Yeah. It's wild. Yep. So I sold for his show, Tom McMillan, uh, for Meet the McMillans. And then we had a couple other different shows that, you know, we, we tried putting out there, but Benny spies, like we had, we had a few shows that were really great. And then that's kind of how I got my, my in on the network when I started working for outdoor channel for a while and selling, uh, you know, working with all the TV show hosts and the airtime and all that kind of stuff. And I always did and dabbled with what I was doing with you know, out of bounds and creating media. And then I had like, you know, smaller partnership deals for myself direct, but then, uh, you know, a lot of the TV stuff is, is tough. You, you guys know you work with, you know, with Eastman's and, um, depending on what platform and how you want to do it, if you're not all over the place or you have another product, it can be really challenging to try to make that like an actual revenue builder. Willie and those guys, those guys know it the best, but it can be, it can be real challenging. And, uh, I, I saw the writing on the wall there too. And, you know, had a great time at outdoor channel. It was great. It was awesome. But always still had this calling to do my own thing and really do production. Um, but in a way that we wanted to do it with brands. So that's, that's kind of been our model since. Yeah. With, uh, out of bounds, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah, guys have been doing great work. Company. No, it's been fun, man. It's like, you know, initially it started out as just us doing production in the outdoor space. And then when the pandemic hit, um, I'm not sure, you know, on your guys' side, but a lot of the partners that I had, like the, their uh, budgets, everyone just kind of puckered up because rightfully so nobody knew what was going to happen with the pandemic. So we had to get real creative and, you know, we started bouncing around like we're just uh, outside of Denver um, and there's just a lot of opportunity. There was a lot of opportunity to create video content when people were staying home and still trying to keep their businesses open. So we found an opportunity to keep our business thriving and do what we want, but also not damage the hunting, hunting schedule too much because it's always a, <laughs> I think some people think it's irresponsible, but it's such a huge priority for me to build my life around being able to be in the field as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I hear you there. It is like a, it is a fine line. I, I don't think it's irresponsible. We just have this like, like this draw to, to being outdoors, like this passion for it where it does mean so much in our lives and brings it, brings us so much joy and perspective and, uh, so many positive things, you know, uh, uh, better with our family, uh, better inter interacting and, and better with all of our business endeavors. So like, uh, at times, it does seem like it, it is a time sucker, takes so much of our time away, but it's something that we truly love to do. And uh, when you truly love to do something, like uh, uh, there really there isn't much of an option for us. It's just a priority. We build our lives around it. And that's exactly what you've done and, and uh, accomplished great things in such a short amount of time as well. Yeah, man. Well, it was uh, this year was another you know great year, obviously one of the biggest things that I try to push and like what I'm passionate about is like that next generation. And for me having my sons and bringing them up and it, it's been so much fun, but this year was again, another awesome year being able to like Aiden didn't really get a hunt as much because he's been, uh, he's been focused on like his, like a, a fitness competition. So like he's been weightlifting and in the gym, his dedication is un freaking believable, man. I'll have to text you some pictures of like where he was to where he is now, but we got to hunt 
the opening week together for about four days, and almost every single day we were getting close on getting in, getting in on a bull. But I had a lease down in southern Colorado, so it was kind of a – we shifted. And this will actually, I think we, – we didn't really talk about this, but this will be, uh, I, I think, good just for, for the podcast. But we ended up switching our um, our hunting uh, schedule to where I, I did this lease down in southern Colorado. It cost me – about 2,500 bucks. And I had a buddy from Las Vegas and that was primarily the reason that we did it. Cause my buddy from Vegas, who I, I hunt down in Arizona with, obviously there's no sure thing in hunting, but he was like, Hey man, like if we can find a lease to where we're not like dealing with public. And I said, yeah, let me see what I could, you know, figure out. And I, I met a guy that, um, had this contact and we were able to figure out doing this hunting lease. And there, even some of the guys from Hamsky archery hunted down there. And it was just one of those deals, one of those years. There was a lot of moisture. Uh, animals didn't move as much. It was a tough year in Colorado. compared. So I think because moisture, I think every hunter, anytime there's a wet year, everybody gets excited because it's corn growth. However, we had so much moisture in the spring here in Colorado that the grass all the way through, I would say even early November, was so high that and the weather was so much warmer that the elk didn't have to – or well, even the deer, they just didn't shift and move into their different, you know, rutting areas that they normally do. So that was really, really challenging for a lot of hunters. But to give you an idea, I'll just keep it short. When we were there for two days, Aiden was there filming, and that was a big part because he was trying to help on the filming side and capturing some of the content. We abandoned that lease after two days, and for me, that was a hard, hard pill to swallow. Basically, a twelve hundred and fifty dollar um, hiking fee is what we paid. <laughs> Oh, each no. day because the public land that we were hunting, we were getting in the bulls. You know, we were able to go higher. We we were able to have a little bit more versatility with being able to go to different locations. Uh, you know, when you, this, this lease that we were on, it was big, but it was also, you're just locked in. You can't go, you can't change elevation. You're just locked into this one spot. And that was super, super tough. And what was nice is that the guy that came out, my friend who came out from Vegas, um, Jake, He's like, dude, I don't care. Like, I want to be around elk. I know we paid this money, but if you think that we can go in elk, and, uh, you know, and that's for me being like the team lead on this and like setting up the camps and everything, I was, yeah, that's always like a tough call. And I'd, I'd call some buddies that, you know, I trust and value their opinion. And, um, do you know Jared Meyer by chance? He's with Whitetail Properties. He moved out to Colorado and he sells land. I'm not sure if you know that name, but, um, he's done a lot of stuff with, uh, Victory um, arrows and all that kind of thing. So I've known him in the industry, just a good industry buddy. He was hunting down. I ran into him at a store. Uh, we went into town to go resupply and I told him the situation. He goes, let me tell you this, Nancy. You know, he goes, I got, I got several leases. I haven't even hunted for years. And if you can go find elk somewhere else, go like, don't, don't let the lease thing hold you up because you could spend the rest of the week there and not get an elk. And that was kind of like the final straw because Aiden was pushing me. Aiden was like, Dad, I know you spent money in this, and I know it's a hard pill to swallow, but where we go, we know we're, we're to find the elk. You know, we've been hunting for over a decade, and we were just in the elk. Let's go. And it ended up being the great choice. We packed up our campers, and we uh, got everything. I think we got camp broke down in about an hour and a half, and we were already pulling out. Got to our other hunting spot, got an evening hunt in, and called one bull in for Jake that he wasn't able to connect on. So it ended up being the right choice. <laughs> Man, uh you just have to be able to adapt on the fly on all these hunts, no matter if you're hunting a lease or hunting a, a public or whatever the case is. It's just never how we envision it. And the conditions per year, whether that's moisture, grass levels, 
whether that's uh, uh, hot and dry or whatever it is, it seems to change where these animals are year to year. It's just really tough to count on. But I think it's good creative thinking to first, you know, uh, uh, search out a lease and find a lease where you know you're going to have it all to yourself in there. It didn't pan out and then be able to adapt and go, well, we know we can go find elk on public, like uh, have to leave this lease that you guys paid good money for. But you just know the elk aren't there and the elk hunting isn't good. You just have to adapt and then put your guys self into elk. You know, that's um, just seems like that's how it goes a lot of the times, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And I I think what a lot of people forget, too, is like so one of the um, this lease that we had bordered. Uh, a pretty popular ranch down in Southern Colorado that guys, you know, if you even can make it on the list, you're paying over $15,000 for a mature bull. um, If you harvest them, like, and it's, it's one of those deals. I think it's like $10,000 just to step foot on the property and book a hunt, right? Like for you to be able to book a hunt, like that's your, that's your buy-in. And you think about the guys that do that and we have a year like we had, they had the same issue. I think their first, I think archery season, they they only saw one mature bull and the guy passed on him because he wasn't at that caliber. So I think, you know, sometimes the whole private land and the guided hunt thing gets a, a bad rap, but when you actually guide <laughs> and, and you, I've been in those situations where you are the guy and people are paying really good money to, you know, for a mule deer hunt or whatever it is that they're chasing or pursuing. And, and there's still no guarantees. Obviously if somebody wants to shoot a more mature animal or they have an idea of, what they want to harvest. But then again, this year, the biggest thing was, you know, some of the grass that we walked into or the like meadows that we walked into, the grass was like right up to like waist level, belly button level. And I was like, this is on, like they weren't, they weren't in their feeding. They hadn't even moved in yet. Don't get me wrong. There were residents that were, you know, probably a bull here or there. They had them on trail cam, um, pretty early season, but then wherever the cows are, that that's all that matters when the rut hits is you know like you gotta when you, and and same with mule deer hunting that's why i love hunting you know the rut period if it's mule deer or it's elk because you find the girls and the, you just wait man and the boys are going to show up or you try to intercept them before they get in the herds especially when it comes to elk but it was just a tough year all around yeah no it sounds like it uh it's a tough pill to swallow to have to leave a lease that you're invested in like that but sounds like it was the right choice and you guys um uh, predominantly do a lot of calling for elk, right? Um, it, yeah, it just kind of depends on, on what they're doing. I usually early season. So this year was tough because again, with trying to help Aiden early on, um, my son, and then having a buddy come down that wanted to hunt with me, uh, I kind of, I, I put a lot of my personal hunting and how I normally do it on the back burner, at least for the first three weeks of archery season. And then when everybody left that last week, I was, <laughs> You feel that, well, I don't, I don't even call it pressure, but it's just, you know, who, who doesn't want to harvest an elk with their bow? So then I just, by that time this year, I was uh, into a lot of running elk, calling elk, but I try not to call unless I'm locating. So as soon as, as soon as I hear bulls go off and even some of the clips that, that we put out, you know, Aiden and I, when I ended up shooting my bull that morning, it was, it was that one morning that you pretty much work your butt off to live for, right? Like every hunter dreams about a morning like the one that Aiden and I had. And it was so cool because we ended up moving into a herd and we're in dark timber. So it's not like we can see where they're coming from, but because I know this area, I have two, I guess 
uh, educated guessing would be the best way to define it, right? I'm like, they're either going to go here or here. So Aiden and I worked into this meadow, and we're looking where the bulls are coming from, and then we look over to our left, and there's another herd moving in on us, about seven cows and a couple satellite bulls. So we just sat down, and what was crazy in, in the morning that we had when we were hunting this year is that the elk, if there's such thing as a perfect setup, we got it because we were in these elk for probably about 25 minutes. They're screaming. This herd bull that I'm still trying to kill is uh, probably 300 yards away from this group that just moved in on us. And then they just started working around and feeding. So we almost had to like kind of crawl back a little bit. And to give you an idea, the first, when we first saw the, this group of elk, there was two cows that were only like 40 yards from us. Like we came over this little knoll and they were right there. So we were kind of, we were pinched and we didn't want to move. As soon as we saw this bull pushing at them and started taking them a different direction, we etched back and then we ended up like um, walking on this little knife ridge. Uh, again, this is all dark timber that we could move in on. And I just told Aiden, we're going to fall back and we're going to do this huge circle just so we can make sure that we keep the wind right and hopefully get in front of this bull. And I think within like 30 minutes after um, we had made that decision, we ended up coming around and we had a, there was a satellite bull that popped out and this bull had probably about 40 cows that were all up on the hill. But the best part was is that we got in between him and his cows and we were, but then the way, obviously when elk are moving, they keep coming down and they keep circling around when they're in the rut. You just really never know what they're going to do. And, uh, we, I ended up getting pretty much parallel with this bull and had to take a further shot than I would have liked. But at the same time, jeopardizing that I had elk right behind me and I had satellite bulls that were coming in watching the herd, trying to get around this bull. So it was, <laughs> Aiden got a full dose of, uh, you know, just what I told him, I said, Aiden, I've only had this in my life probably about three or four times, like where you're like in them for this long. I think we were into this from when we started hearing bugles to when I made my shot on my bull, probably an hour and a half. And that's a long time. That's a long time when you're just sitting there and you're moving and you're, you, you know how it goes, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to do everything you can not to screw it up. Gosh, it's just the best, isn't it? That's what we live for. And it, it takes so many days of hunting to create one of those days. And, and, and sometimes you'll get them, you know, like yours sounds like, uh, uh, you've only had it a few times in your life, but that epic rut action where bugles are erupting all around you and you're playing the game with them. You, and, and the deal is, is like, um, uh, you, you can't give away your element of surprise. Like, eat, like hunting in that dark timber is tough, and you're going off noises and bugles, and you're kind of creeping in, and then any time you see an elk, you have to catch them before they catch you, and you may have to freeze for 15, 20 minutes, and then they kind of move over the rise, and you keep moving with them, but... That epic elk action, like, that, that is the reason why I bow hunt. And sometimes, you know, like last year, I, I wasn't in bow range of a bull I wanted to kill until I finally killed my bull, and I think I had 20 days of hunting to create that one epic day, and then I was able to capitalize on it. Um, uh, it, it it's what it's all about, elk hunting. It just doesn't get any funner, but it, it takes multiple days uh, of trying to locate and slow days. You go out in the morning, may hear a bugle, don't catch up to them, come back to camp, have to reset. Like it takes so much effort to dial it in to finally get one of those magic days in the woods. But when you do, like then going hard and trying to capitalize on it, you know, and like you talked earlier, like about being driven. And it, it seems, uh, you, you know, it like I don't have to kill a bull to have a successful season, but 
part of, of going hard and chasing that epic action and trying to kill a bull with my bow and arrow, it's so extremely challenging that, that I get caught up in it. And sometimes uh, people might think that I'm not having any fun because I am pushing so hard, but that's part of the fun for me. And it sounds like the same to you. And so you guys got into those elk, but you have to make a hundred right moves to have it come together. Like with all those elk bugling in that dark timber, like you guys not spooking that herd, uh, you guys like kind of adapting to the situation you're giving and, and then that making that big circle around instead of chasing them, which is so tough to catch up to them when you're chasing them and not bust them or not spook them. But to have the, the, the wherewithal to, to back out and circle around and get the wind right and try to cut off the herd. Like, uh, you just did everything right. Like, everything came together, you know, in that morning, and you capitalize on it. Man, that's just what, what elk hunting's all about. It doesn't get any better than that. Uh, yeah, and that's like, I, I think even through guiding, there's a lot of times that if it's elk hunting or mule deer hunting, I like, I had guys that we were mule deer hunting with this year, and they're like, man, how did you know exactly where, where to go? And I'm like, man, I, <laughs> I think as years go on, I just become a better guesser uh, because, the amount of times that it doesn't pan out, like a, a lot of people don't see that. Um, the few guys that do see that though, or even have been with you, like Aiden and I, I, I had to remind Aiden, he's like, man, how did you, how do we get this so perfect? And, and he was just blown away after everything was said and done. And, you know, my bull was dead. It was one of those deals that, uh, we just sat there and just kind of, you know, reminisce the situation. I said, yeah, but think about day one, think about us even abandoning, that lease down south and how hard that was for me, or even the stocks that you put on your bowl and you think connect. And it's so easy to forget about that when you do finally have that moment where you get an animal down on the ground. And that's, that's also like the beauty of hunting, right? It's like life. You, know, you can, you can grind and you can rut through a lot of things, but you get a win and you get like a really big win, something that you've been working your heart off or, or your heart out for, and just been working super hard for. And that's like one of the things that, to me, that's like a testament of like just focusing on like the positive things. And that's what I love about hunting so much. Like you can have those long days, you can get frustrated. And like you said, I think some people think that I, I, I probably take it a little too serious. But for me, that's just the grind. That's part of it. And I just love it. Yeah, it's um... – you know, and the experience is the best teacher out there, but also like having this cerebral approach where you really think about things and really try to improve it. But these experiences, you know, they get downloaded into into our hard drive and, and our hard drive then becomes our instincts and, and our instincts you know, just like you, like it tells you when when to back out and to go around. It, it tells you when to go fast. It tells you when to go slow, when to back out. Like it helps in this decision-making process. And, and you almost have to trust your instincts and believe in them and think you can kill that bull. And guys that are consistently successful like you, like uh, uh, your your instincts get better and better the more experiences you have. But, but it's also – like like as you improve your instincts like the, like the only reason we're good at bow hunting is because we've made more mistakes than most guys out there i've made every mistake that you can make on an elk or on a bull i've messed that up before and, and and through making those mistakes, you start to learn from it and you start to get better. Your decision making starts to get better. You start to believe in your gut, believe in those instincts and those moves that you're going to make, that it's going to work out. And um, it, it's like part of the journey of a bow hunter. And it's so extremely challenging. 
These animals yeah. are so switched on, and and you have to make a hundred right decisions or a thousand right decisions for it to come together and to arrow a bull. And so, you you mess up a lot. You make these mistakes, and I I think that's part of the the growth and part of the journey is making these mistakes and messing it up and learning from it and wanting another opportunity and grinding for another opportunity because it it does feel like when it comes together everything's meant to be it seems like you know just like you and Aiden sitting there and Aiden goes gosh we sure made all those right moves and you're right you took them back but you said remember we left the lease remember we left this place remember we hiked up in these areas and found where the elk were not before we found where the elk were and then when we did find the elk you know backing around making this move cutting off the herd not getting busted by any of the elk any of the satellite bulls like a lot of this <laughs> this western game is like taking what the animals will give you like you may find the biggest bull in the world but he's not always going to be in the best spot. You have to shadow him and wait for this right opportunity to go all in. Because if you just start moving in on a herd of 40 elk with a great big bull, you're going to end up busting him, messing up that opportunity, and elk relocate miles away. You might not ever get another yep. chance or not even see that bull again. And so it, it really is like taking what the animals will give you, keeping that element of surprise, factoring in the wind and the sight and the noise and factoring in all that, and, and then realizing when your opportunity comes. And you, I do hunt elk fairly aggressively, but but I only take what they'll give me. Like I'm not going to gonna stock till failure and blow up that herd and mess it up i'm gonna try to to stock tentatively until i get my chance and move in but it's such a delicate dance it's so fun and it's it's like one of these things that we do over and over and we still have this same passion and love for it because it is so difficult man so it's just awesome to hear your story with aiden and and hear how you guys reacted to those bulls and i I see it year after year. Uh, success is so difficult, but consistent success is even more difficult yet. And year after year, uh, you and your boys just collect great critters and, and bulls, bucks. And, and then you also guide quite a bit and really help your clients out. And it's it's because of those instincts that you honed. I'm just sure of it. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it's kind of like uh, with, with guiding, I just picked it back up again. I think I told you that a few years ago. I I gave it up for a while, primarily, well, primarily because the boys were getting at that age where they really wanted to start bow hunting. And then that's just extra time. But, you know, there's sometimes the right outfits don't, they don't fit. And for me, I like being part of outfits that do it for the right reason. And my buddy, um, I'm not sure if you, I, I know he follows you on social, but Clint Whiting, he's a good buddy of mine. And um, that guy, we, you know, when he moved out here from, or from San Antonio, Texas to Colorado and uh, got married and really just he had a he had a desire to live the mountain life <laughs> and he went all in so clint and i hunt uh pretty closely together but it was one he was the one that referred me over to this um guiding outfit because he had been guiding there and he goes man this is a really really good camp and uh if you want to just throw in a few uh weeks or you know a couple like second and third rifle seasons pretty much all i've been doing for the last couple of years but i guided this camp for the first time last year and then i came back to the second year and it's so much fun because the area that we're in, um, I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a, like, it's not a hard physical hunt, but this year, again, because the, the feed and everything, everything just transitioned, we had a hard time, like really trying to scout up really good bucks. But for me, it's, it's even in those situations, if I, I, there's just different levels of hard 
regardless if it's on public or if it's on private, if it's physically demanding, demanding or maybe not physically demanding. I, you know, I look at guys and I don't, I don't want to get beat up over this, but it's not like hiking to a tree stand and climbing up is necessarily like the same as climbing up a mountain, but the tenacity and sitting in one place still and making sure that a, you know, buck comes within, you know, bow range to me, that is, that is a different hard. That's a different mental game. Um, all of it's hard, right. But it's just, it's just so much different. And, and that's why, you know, bow hunting gives you those different types of challenges either single way. Now these were rifle hunts that we had guys on this year for second and third, but it, it was just tough trying to find, you know, one set like on this, on these leases that we have for, for our, um, outfitter, he really pushes hard for us to kill 175 inch class deer better. So I try to honor him with that because we want to keep the quality of animals there and not just take, you know, bucks that could have been something. And obviously it's just, you know, those, those hunts can be tough, man. But I think when you're, when you're able to guide and in between like archery season for me, and then I go straight into guiding and then usually the boys and I, um, have some sort of fall archery, uh, deer tag for us. It's super fun because then you don't get, you don't get off the bike, so to speak. You get to keep your, your eyes and everything pretty sharp. And, and for us, that's always, that's really, really been fun. And that's for, uh, I think the boys are, are, they're really starting to hone in on that. Like the boys both had really good archery, <laughs> archery hunts this year. Jaron, who's our, my youngest, his was super short. You know, we, we ended up going into this place down in Southern Colorado. Um, it's one of our, our honey holes, um, that we love, but Jaron, uh, this year he really was practicing a lot and he was first up because they didn't already had spent so much time with me in the field. So we ended up last year, you heard the story where their bucks were locked up and I was like, guys, that's never going to happen again. So, um, this year I was like, it's going to be probably a lot different, but Jaron just kind of has that golden horseshoe. I, I, I don't know <laughs> if I, if I passed it down to him or whatever you want to call it, but we ended up seeing this big, like brush sitting in front of, in front of this tree. Um, you know, it, like, and it looked like, I was like, man, that look, those look like antlers, but you know, we're looking at like 300 yards away and Jaron's like, dad, I saw that. I saw something move return. So I was like, all right, well, pulled the truck over and we start glassing and, and where we deer hunt, it's very big open country. And a lot of people think that that might be easier, but because there's, there's so much brush out there, it actually is very challenging because you're level. You're not, you know, there's little rolling hills and hell, there could be a buck 40 yards away from you and he's down a little pulley or something like that. You're never going to see him. So all of a sudden, you know, we look at this bush and it turns and, and I was like, that's a really, really good buck. I said, man, he's a three point, but he's huge, you know, super tall, wide. I said, Jaron, that's a really, really good buck. And he goes, no, let's go after him. So before I can even try to get the camera or anything going, Jaron's just going like that is one of the things that um, I try to teach him how to slow down. But I also remember when I first started bow hunting, I just <laughs> I wanted to go pursue him. And for me, there was part of a you know, as his dad, I'm like, yeah, if he blows his, you know, if he blows his stock or something, you know, goes wrong, that's okay. We'll find another buck. And again, the, the, you gotta, I, I think on his hunt, um, this year, it was probably 8 AM and almost already 60 degrees. And we're talking middle of November, like a week before Thanksgiving. So it's super hot and man, these, these deer are already bedded down. And the good thing was is his buck was swollen, but he was all by himself. And I'm like, I don't think he's going to go too far unless we bump some does. So as we start moving in, I'm trying to tell Jaron, I'm like, slow down, slow down, go around these trees. And he's like, yeah, I got it. I got it. And <laughs> so I'm trying to shut up and not argue with him and blow his stock out. But I stayed about 60 yards behind him. And I saw Jaron step behind this pinion tree and he starts looking and he, you know, it's 
it's funny to see, and it's actually a really cool feeling, Brian, to see your kids. Like I, I watched his movements and it was almost like watching some of the stuff that I've done. I saw the way he stepped behind a tree. He got his, his range finder out. He hits a click and then I see him make an adjustment on his sight, draws back, gets that full draw, which this is probably the most proudest thing. Gets that full draw, steps out, and this buck looks back at him. And I think Jared, it was like 42 yards is what he shot him at. And he just, you know, this buck wouldn't get up. So then Jaron just kind of slowly starts walking and like kicks a rock, like just with his boot, like looks down, kicks a rock. And finally that buck, you know, he'd been probably bedded for a little while because it took him, you know, he stands up and he stretches out. And as soon as, you know, Jaron lets him stretch and then relax and then boom, Jaron let the arrow go, put it, <laughs> put it right in the wheelhouse. But that to me is just like when you get to see some, like that's like I would call the fruit of my labor. When you get to see your kid and do the stuff that, you've done or that they've watched you do in the field, man, it's hard not to get a little emotional about that. But it was, uh, Jaron ended up tagging out and then like two days, uh, two days later, Aiden connected on his buck and completely different story. We, we, we hadn't seen Aiden's buck. We were walking around, um, some ridges and we, we'd come over and Aiden's like, dad, I see tips, I see tips. And then we ended up getting behind a pinion tree, looking down in this little draw area. And, uh, Aiden, now that he's getting older and stronger, he's pulling a lot more lot more poundage and you know he's he's able to reach out and touch one like I, he shot his buck at like 64 yards and you know again made a really really good shot but again that was like i think they used to think that dad was kind of being a jerk when i was busting their butts on like you guys need to be shooting all the time like you don't even want to think about it like even if you're only doing it two or three times a week we got to you know go shoot a target even if it's 10 yards you have to get that muscle memory you have because that is the last thing you should be thinking about in, in my opinion, that when I, when I train for a hunt or I'm trying to make sure that I'm accurate, is I don't want to have to be worried about my bow equipment or my arrow's going to hit. Where you know I've already worked and I've done all the prep where it's going to be there. Just so so to see that come through with the boys and to see their confidence, more their shooting confidence and ability to like be calm and make those shots happen, it's so cool, man. Dude, it's the coolest. And um, that is and I'm, not. I'm sorry, I rambled on a little. No, bit. <laughs> not at all. No, it is. It is not easy to do, you know. And and they, they just had like this great mentor that's really worked hard to make sure to get them out in the field and give them all the right advice and and right structure to be quality bow hunters. But I mean, at their age, heck, at anybody's age, I, you know, I have buddies where it is tough to close a deal like that. It's tough to make the right moves. And, and late season mule deer, people think because they're in the rut uh, that they're easier, and they are not. Like, um, boy, having all those does around and all those eyes around, it's real similar to, like, hunting elk. Um, you know, you you have to uh, uh, be fairly aggressive. You don't always get them in a bed. Sometimes you're hunting them on their feet, and you have to adapt to the situation that you're given. Like, as they move, you know, you kind of take what they give you. But um, that is so difficult to do. And there are so many grown men that, that would do anything in their power to have that kind of success and to have those boys – you know, like last year, be successful on those two bucks. This year, be successful on those two bucks with their bow. I mean, you're talking a, at one of the toughest challenges out there. And at a young age, they're just dialed on it. You know, they just had uh, such great mentoring uh, uh, along the way. And, and you know, too, it's like, um, 
you know, hunting hunting mule deer or hunting elk or hunting any of these critters out west that we love to hunt. Um, you know, you you talked about like some of these hunts aren't as physically grueling and it's just a different chess game wherever you go. But but being in the best shape, like uh, uh, being in good physical shape is one of my best biggest assets. Like uh, it really helps me hunting extreme country wherever I'm hunting. You know, it helps me. But, you know, being in the best shape doesn't do it. It's not going to punch tags year after year. Like there's so much more that goes into it. And like you guys, like being able to locate these animals, being able to, to work your way through country and find vantage points and determine what is good country and what isn't, because these animals, they're not they're not spread out all the way through the country. They're in pockets of country where there are bucks yeah. around, but you could look at 100 square miles and not find a, a great buck like one of those ones that those boys killed, like being able to dissect a unit and dissect country being able to glass it up and being able to turn up those bucks and create those opportunities it's really the difference maker in today's day and age with so many great hunters out there uh it, it's not about always going further you know it's about hunting smarter like really being able to use your intelligence to locate these animals and create these opportunities you know and then it's being clutch when you get these opportunities like like your boys were like making those stocks it's not easy to get it done on your first stock like uh you know there's there's some years like even my late season i did a late season in idaho man i think i had five stocks or so like i had some close calls that just didn't come together it didn't go my way like i i uh pride myself on being clutch on these moments but it 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 took me more than one stock. It's just not easy to do. That's why uh, yeah. just so much admiration, like uh, so much respect for those boys and, and how much they've learned in a short amount of time and so much respect for you and that mentoring you've done with those boys to prepare them to be successful. Man, that is not easy. Well, I, I think part of it, so both the boys, they grew up wrestling and they did team sports and all that. And I always kind of equate it to – because I – when I first started bow hunting, I was a hot mess. Like if I saw an elk or I don't care if it was a cow, a doe, <clears throat> whatever, what, like even turkeys used to get me just so, and, and again, they do, but it's in a different way. Like it's usually after I execute a shot and whatever the result is, that's where all that adrenaline hits me. So it's learning how to channel that. And I used to tell both the boys, like when they would get on the mat, especially when they knew that they were going to go against somebody that had talent and, or, you know, someone that had been undefeated and, uh, and both the boys had moments like this where they were in their mind, they were already defeated before they began. Like they were already insecure about getting on the mat with somebody because they're like, man, this guy's really good and he's undefeated and blah, blah, blah. And it what's so funny with wrestling is I would tell them and I would get upset. I'm like, dude, you are a freaking hunter. Like you're strong. You got, yeah, you, know, you got all these, all these skills and yeah, you might not have as many skills as him. You didn't grow up like wrestling at four or five years old. But, you know, like, you're my son, like, and I, I know who you are. And aside from anything, even if he has all these moves, don't forget that wrestling is also, you don't have to pin him. There's points in that. So, you know, make it to the, make it to the final round, make it, you know, just, you have way more gas in your tank. You have way more endurance than I can, I can guarantee you than most of these guys do. That was always kind of like part of, part of what I put in my pep talk and probably some other things that I don't want to share. <laughs> Look like a bad dad, but I would just, I just get real <laughs> intense with them, you know? And for Jaron and Aiden, like that helped. Like there were times where they, they literally won by points because they had so much that was left in the tank. And I always just try to tell them on the mat, like, 
you know, and, and if you lose, as long as you gave 150%, man, then you know what? Then you can hold your head high and you're good to go. And that's where, like with hunting, I, I, I tried really hard because initially when I started hunting with the boys, like turkey hunts, I'd get so intense. And my wife was really good at, you know, reminding me like, hey, don't make them hate this. <laughs> and it's something that I think we need because like as a, as a dad or even when I'm with somebody, I want them to be successful. And for a long time, I deemed success as like actually having it, you know, harvesting something, killing something. And uh, I've learned to change that tune because there's a lot of guys that I have taken and you feel bad because it didn't come together, uh, you know, on a hunt, if it was a deer hunter, an elk hunt, or even a turkey hunt. But that guy is just completely excited and blown away because he had a great opportunity. I never really learned that. I'm starting to learn that. And that's something that with both Aiden and Jaron very early on, uh, after, you know, being reminded by my wife and just trying to remember like, okay, this, this is, it's not about the killing. It's not about that. And if they, if they ruin this moment or, or whatever, like it just doesn't come together and they don't let an arrow fly or they don't shoot the gun or, you know, whatever hunt that we've been on, that's okay. We're going to go create another opportunity. So I've really tried to make it about not worrying about create, like you have to make it happen. I think a lot of guys, when they go in on stocks, because I've talked to clients and, you know, people that have taken hunting for the first time and they're completely like, there's just so much in their brain. Like I have to make this happen. We've been here for three days. You know, you start thinking, I got to get home to my wife, you know, something, you got bigger issues. You know, if, if there's all these other things going through your brain other than just like, hey, I'm just going to do my best and I'm going to live with the result. It's going to be okay no matter what. Like, that's the kind of mentality I feel that that can create more killing experience, you know, more harvesting success. Because if you're really just focused on living in the moment and enjoying the things that happen in that moment, because, you know, the animals can teach you so much that that's something that one of my mentors, you know, told me, he goes, let the elk teach you. And when you're paying attention to little things like how they're, you know, like mule deer, like when they start turning their ears or they start looking or, you know, that like bucks, when the, the hair rises up on their back and little things that I just, I've started paying attention to. And I try to challenge the boys like, Hey, in that stock, do you remember when that animal did this? Cause we were watching it. Right. And just to see if they're starting to pick up on those little things to me, that does a few things. It makes you really, really dialed in on just focusing on that one thing and then really paying attention because then if you pay attention, you can learn. If you don't and you got all this adrenaline, it's like, man, I don't know what happened. It just, <laughs> everything happened so fast and I don't remember any of it, you know, but now he's gone or maybe you got lucky and you were able to, you know, take that animal. I think a lot of guys that would help a lot of people because it's that mental game. And to me, that's what has made the boys, uh, you know, aside from following me and some of these other you know great hunters that they've been able to be around, I think it's, you know, it, it's really just enjoying the moment and taking it all in. It's so true. Yeah, we uh, as we get older, we start like I'm trying to teach myself that same thing too. Is I base so much of my success on arrowing a trophy critter, and I love that drive and that tenacity, and I think that's what's done so well for me. But I also have if I'm not enjoying it, uh, you, you know, what's the point? It's like I I have to enjoy the entire experience. If I only enjoy being successful and arrowing that critter, there's going to be a bunch of days where I'm not having fun. And so, yeah, as I, I, I've gotten better at trying to enjoy the entire experience, the entire journey. And when I do get a stock on an animal, on a buck or on a bull, you're right. Being in that moment, 
And I, I almost say it's like uh, uh, worth the price of admission, like all this driving across the country, uh, taking off work, time away from my family, all this research, all this training, like to get a chance at an animal like that, to be able to go in and try to stalk them and try to harvest them like that to me, that excitement, that adrenaline. That was worth the price of admission, and I walk away from that going, man, what a thrilling, exhilarating stock. Like, that's what I live for, that excitement. And if I can create that, or or even just enjoying the grind, enjoying, you know, tough mountains and putting in the effort day after day after day, but it seems like, like when you do that and when you take it in, just like you were saying, you just find more success not putting pressure on yourself. It's, like, important not to get in front of yourself, to be chasing this giant 200 inch buck like don't start thinking about how he's going to look on your wall or how uh, uh, the post is going to look like or or how what success is going to feel like instead you're just in that moment and you're reacting to the situation that you're giving and you're putting everything in that present moment of trying to kill that buck like it's important not to get in front of yourself or not to think gosh i really got to get it done so i can get home on this deal and that that um I think it does go a long ways for guys. And the other thing that goes a long way is that, that I think me and you have had to dial back is our intensity, you know, and, and <laughs> our tenacity is what has made us successful and, and made us consistently successful. That that drive, that same advice that you gave your boys on the wrestling mat, and that it really talks to me because that's my background too It was wrestling. That's where I I learned my mental toughness. I learned how to grind. Like I, I learned so many great life lessons like in high school wrestling. Like the harder I worked, the more I could achieve. And, and I was just able to transition that intensity into hunting because it was something that I loved just as much or more fell in love with. And so I just keep putting more into it. And the more I put into my backcountry hunting, the more I get in return. But that that tenacity, that attitude of giving it your all, of complete effort, like, uh, you know, it's it's the thing that being eight days into a hunt, nine days, 10 days, 11 days into a hunt, we're continually putting forth that effort and that tenacity eventually equals an opportunity and we end up getting an arrow in that arrow. But I, I really think it's such a huge key to success is that mental side, the mental approach, the mental tenacity to keep driving and keep pushing and keep looking for those critters, uh, a huge key to my success. And I'm sure it is yours too. Yeah, for sure. And well, and it's like, I look at the post where you, you had the, uh, you found that rock that had like those seashells in it. I think that was in Montana, right? Yeah, it was. Yep. Uh, yeah, so like, not to not to get all spiritual, but like obviously, I like I'm a man of faith, but like you know when you're out there and you spend that much time, like there's a you know there's guys that have done podcasts and convers discussions around like that mental that mental toughness, and if there's stuff in your past that you know you're dealing with or trauma, like that's if you're by yourself as long as you know like we are, like that's where you have to like really fight off you really see what you're made of, like fighting off your demons, your insecurities or, or whatever that case is. And, and, and I think that right now in the time that we live in, it's such a great time to be a hunter. Uh, there's a lot of challenges for sure with uh, things that are trying to get banned and, and rules, but it's also, you know, the, the, the script is flipped too, because as hunters and conservationists, like we have the opportunity to like educate, and to move forward because I think like guys like you that, you, you know, you figured it out and I, I don't necessarily know your entire background and how you got into hunting, but I've talked to you about mine and, uh, and there's just a lot of stuff that, you know, there was a lot of misinformation 
early on. And then as you become older, just like anything else, right, in a marriage or a relationship, you get to really write how you want to be. I, obviously, we all we all have to abide by the laws and the rules and everything. But within that, you can decide, like, how hard you want to go or, you know, if you want to be a backpack hunter, if you want to have a base camp. And I've done both. And for me, it's like I just think when you're out there and you're connecting, you know, with nature and not to sound all hippie, there, there's just something like that, like the earth gives it back to you. And, and I, I don't know, really know how to explain that other than the more and more I do this and the more and more I try to develop those lessons of patience. And cause there's just times that it, man, when I was younger, I could be a hothead or I just you know, get so down on myself. Like if I lost anything, like yeah. losing was like the worst thing I'd rather die than lose. You know, that's just that athlete mentality and hunting for seasons of my life really, really felt like that. It's just the, you, you know, you call it the hunt blues and I see all my buddies that get it when they, when they do have a tough season or, and lately, you know, I've had a few guys that are like, well, you, you never have a, a, a bad season. I'm like, you have, <laughs> you have no idea, man. Like <laughs> more than anything, I, I'm like, I'm like in this really nice wave right now because I feel like I'm just, again, reaping the fruits of my labor. But when I first started hunting, well, hell, I grew up with my dad hunting at five years old and I would go with him and from five years old till about 16, never even saw an animal get put on the ground, never witnessed it, never had one in camp. So, you know, that's 11 years of even just trying to be a spectator of it to try to understand what hunting was and to never see that. Like there for a while as a kid, I felt like we were cursed. And, uh, you know, that was like almost like a little joke, but I just, I was like, what is wrong? And then I, you know, I found bow hunting and everything changed. And that, that's one of the things, but I also became an adult and I could hunt the way in the style that I wanted to. I could create, I could create my own conditions. And that's, uh, that's actually one of my favorite quotes that I, I saw in this movie. It says, when you create your own conditions, the rain is just rain. And to me, that's like, that's like one of the coolest things because that's what hunting is. You know, if, if you, if you allow yourself to feel like, man, it's hot or I'm hungry and you start thinking about the wrong things, you know, you might as well pack up and go home because at that point you, you you've already lost, you know, it's just kind of like getting on the mat. Yeah. Uh, that's really beautifully said. Um, gosh, I feel that, that same way. And that, that tenacity and go forward attitude has killed so many animals for me. Like just um, no buck is too far, no bull is too far. Always putting forth that effort. But throughout my years, I've able I've been able to to harness it a little bit more. I've developed, and I've heard you say it a couple times now, is developing patience. Like patience is such a virtue in bow hunting, and it's like knowing when to move and when to hold still or when to go all in. And so. You know, I've, I've been able to harness my aggressiveness a little bit to where I, when I was younger, you know, sometimes I'd go on a stock that was doomed to fail from the start. I just had to go because I saw that animal, you know, I had to go give it a chance. And I'd, I'd blow animals all over the countryside and, and um, throughout the years – I've been able to harness it a little bit more. Like I, I still have this tenacity and this go forward attitude. There still isn't a buck that's too far or a bull that's too far, but I, I've just been able to develop these patience and be able to realize the situation and which which situation is right to jog all the way over there and which situation I really need to sit back and be more patient. It's made me uh, way more patient on my stocks too. I just know the closer I get, the slower I have to move, the more controlled I have to move. And and it's yeah. like you make one mistake and the whole gig is up. 
and and you have to fight these urges inside your brain. Like uh, my brain's constantly telling me, hurry up, get over this ledge, get the shot. And to hurry up in the end is the absolute worst move you can make. You know, they can hear your approach or they see your silhouette coming over the top. Like uh, you, you really have to, to harness that energy and like you, you, your brain is like trying to play tricks on you in these close moments. But you have to believe in the cause. And, you know, I've been there enough times that I know, you know. Uh, that that deer may bust out, but I'm not going to be the one that busts him out. I'm going to slow down and make my moves correctly. And if he's there when I get there, great. If not, then it, it wasn't meant to be, but at least I didn't blow him up and I may get another chance at him. But it seems as I get older, I've gotten way better at, at, at that this patient side of things. Like, uh, how have your patients got better over the years? Well, I've, I've just learned to reset. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things that – when you do go on a stock, there's plenty of like this year, there were several opportunities that just didn't pan out. And especially I, I like now at this point, like with people that I'm hunting with, they're, they're looking to me as like the more tenured person there. Right. And, um, and, and that's something that like as that, or there's that role of leadership and more than anything, like it's very evident that Aiden and Jaren are looking to me for leadership on that. And that's, it's one of the, it, it's one of the things that I have to remember that like, Hey, they're watching. Right. And to me more than social media or any of that stuff, like the way that my sons watch me means more to me than anything. And that is something that like having them and have like, and it's like, man, I can really, you know, you hear the bad stories of guys like someone's grandpa that took him hunting and, you know, maybe was abusive or would yell at him or get so mad at him. And like, when you hear stories about people, why they didn't like hunting, it's usually because of not hunting. It was an individual uh, that ruined that. So that's, that's really been like ingrained in my mind. And, and that's just, it, it's just learning how to reset. And then when I'm by myself, I just, again, I just remind myself, well, why are you doing this? I ask myself, why are you doing this? And if I ever have a bad day when, when, and, and I've had a few, you know, where, where it's just like frustrating. You're like, come on, like, why, why didn't this happen? Or, you know, why couldn't I drive the results that I wanted to? And that's part of, um, it, it's no different. It's like, you just have to remind yourself and ask that question. And more than anything, be honest with yourself. You know, there's, there's times where absolutely the answer was that I was doing it for the wrong reason, maybe doing it for the, you know, the, the, um, I, I, you know, just the acceptance, right. Of continuing to, you know, have a killing streak or whatever the case is. And that's just real. Like, I think, there, you know, there's sometimes that in our minds and our little bubbles, we can create this own pressure that really just doesn't exist. But, you know, I've always been able to get centered and get back to and, and, and realize why I really hunt and why I love doing it. And, um, you know, again, like right now where, where there's no hunting season for us and pretty much everything's done for a few months, like we're, we're reaping the rewards of that. You know, we're living on, on mule deer, we're living on elk. And that's like, especially now that that's also another cool thing that Aiden, because he's in this bodybuilding and you know, just his fitness, he, he's unbelievable. Like the only real red meat that he ever eats is, is elephant and mule deer because that's what his diet calls for. Like, it's just, it, it's just incredible. And that's even adding more reason of like why up to why it really is so important for us because, you know, we need that. We rely on it to survive and it's really important for us. And we'll, you know, we want to protect that. Yeah, absolutely. I I love that that resetting that you um said that, you know, that uh, a lot of your success comes from being able to reset. You have to be able to 
accept failure. Like you learn from it and, and you don't like it, but it's like failure is a prerequisite in bow hunting. You're going to mess up stocks. You're going to mess up shots. And when you put so much into it and so much drive, like it, it hurts. It, it hurts you down to your core. It cuts deep, you know, and, and to be able to pick yourself back up and, and realize the reason why you do it. And, and I've been there too. I, you know, I, I've, I've missed some great bucks. In fact, I missed a great buck last season where I skinned an arrow over the top of his back that was a gimme shot for me that I messed up. And I had, I had been waiting there so long and twisted up on the shot. And, uh, you know, I executed a good shot. It just it just went high. I don't know if the buck ducked or if, you know, I'm not sure exactly what happened. But, you know, it'll take you to your low. And I've been hunting this buck for seven days and missed him. And I have to sit there on the mountain and I have to... I have to accept that. And it's like the quicker that I can accept that and move on and just go out and try to create another opportunity, the, the better I'm going to be. But but that that failure, it cuts so deep. And, and right, you start questioning everything. You know, do I really love this or why am I really doing this? And, and then pretty soon I'm able to sit back and go, you know, I'm in one of the wild places in the, in the most wild places in the lower 48. I'm hunting this buck above 12,000 feet. I just got to... To, to match wits with this buck for seven days trying to outsmart him and, and put myself in range and made quality moves along the way. And you know what I missed? And and it's not the first time I've missed, and it's not going to be the last. Get over yourself. Like, uh, you are having this great adventure, and if you let this one experience ruin your entire trip, your entire 10-day vacation, you know, you're not doing it right. Like, uh, uh, here I am. I'm still in the mountains. I'm still in this wild place. I still have a tag in my pocket and my bow in my hands, and I'm doing what I love to do. Like, uh, uh, get back to it. Go find another buck or go find that buck again and go go put a perfect arrow in him. You know you can do it, but you have to be good at like resetting just like what you were stating. You have to be able to reset because you're going to blow stocks. You're going to blow animals. You're going to blow shots. You're going to go into places and put so much effort forth and, and not get a return on your investment, not find the animals that you're after. Find um, – be hunting pressure in there, and you're going to have to reset and go – you know what? Like I'm hunting, I'm on vacation. It's fine that there's hunting pressure in here. I'm just going to pack up my pack and I'm going to go find a new area. And I'm going to go find my own experience. Like you, you have to be good at enjoying the entire process and the entire journey or you're never going to be successful. Well, and that, yeah. And you bring up a lot of points. Like while you're talking, I'm thinking about like, so there's like two sides to the coin. One side of the coin is that there, you know, we have a lot of friends that this is what they do for a living. Like, you know, I'm, I'm in the outdoor space and this is, this is how I make a living. Uh, primarily on obviously the production stuff of what we do and not everything we do is outdoors anymore. It, um, but again, a big part of, you know, our revenue and how I survive is because of what we do in the outdoor space. And part of that, there is a pressure, but I've, I also alleviated that pressure for a lot of the clients that we create content for, it's not even so much that they, it's not that they don't care about the hunting footage, but they want to see the journey. They want to see the adventure. So from a content creation standpoint for us, that's way, way, way more simplistic. We don't have to worry so much about like getting the kill shot on film and like the old school way of like, you know, but there's a lot of guys that live in that because of their TV show or, or whatever it is that they're doing and, and absolutely respect that. But then the other side of the coin is that there's a lot of guys that are looking to us as like the mentors or looking to people, you know, whoever, that they follow is like, well, that's what I want to be. That's what I want to strive towards. And that's great. But again, a lot of the guys that have the, you know, they're, they're working their normal job and they're taking a weekend and they're doing that. 
And it's just, you know, it's reminding ourselves that we're all human. And, you know, like, I think that a lot of that insecurity, there's all that, like, you know, insecure part of every male because, you know, males that I know don't want to fail. You know, they want to be successful and, and however you deem success. But, you know, they want to provide, they want to take care of their family, and they also want to be able to fit within their social culture. And I think if, I think there's a there's this thing of, uh, uh, for guys or, or, you know, anyone that hunts in order for them to fit, that they want to show their big antlers. Like a lot of guys that I've talked to, they'll lead a conversation while well, I haven't killed what you've killed. I'm like, hold on, time out. That doesn't matter. That, like, I don't care about that. It's almost like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to date someone and the first thing they lead off with like, Hey, I don't think I'm as good as your other girlfriend. It's like, <laughs> well, we're obviously out to dinner for a reason. Like it's not, like there, there's so much underlining stuff. And I think, that's something that like, I'm going to try to really put a big focus on moving forward in it. Like, this is just something that's kind of been on my heart, man, is that I just think like we have the ability to coach others and to lead them in the right way, especially that next generation. And that's a passion of mine because like never once have the boy, like I've seen both the boys, uh, you know, blow stocks or, or whatever it is. And not once do they ever feel insecure or feel like, man, I, I, I let my dad down because of what we've tried to create, like, Hey, we're just hunting. And this isn't it. They've seen me screw up. They've seen me where I, you know, I, I make it and it, they just see where it doesn't pan out. I wouldn't even call it a screw up. It just didn't happen. It wasn't meant to be. And then they see where it is meant to be. <clears throat> and again, that's what we strive towards all the time. But I just think it's okay to have those screw ups and it's just, and, and, and it's okay to like more than anything, I, I take them like licks because it's like, again, wrestling practice or, you know, I, I grew up boxing. So it's like, you know, you, you spar with the guy that, that gets you that day and works you over. It's like, you know what? Good. I'm happy. I got that one in because now I can learn because if you're not learning, then you're just going to stay in the same spot. Like if it was always success and, you know, don't get me wrong, it'd feel good for a while, but then what, you know, what, what's the next thing? So I think a lot of people need it. If you don't, if you can't give yourself grace, you'll never be able to give anybody else grace. So I think part of that, we have to learn how to like, just, you know, <laughs> give ourselves grace and understand like, Hey, you, the quicker I can accept this and this is how it happened. Like you said, and then just move on. You're going to set yourself up for a better opportunity. If it's either your next season hunt or literally be the next day or even walking back to the truck. There's so many stories where guys were like, you know what it happened with Aiden? He was done on, on the last day he was ready to be done. And we had a great month together and on our way, hiking back to camp. That's when it happened. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I need to continue to work on it as well. I think we all do. Like, uh, you just uh, yes, sir. Uh, continue to learn, continue to evolve, continue to get better, and lead lead from the front, lead the right way. You know, teach guys to enjoy the entire process from start to finish, and that goes from right now. You know, application and and tag services and physical fitness and and bow shooting. Like, enjoy the entire process, and then enjoy and embrace the failures as well, because that's that's a part of it uh and a big part of it so i think you're right like we we all just uh continue to learn and continue to get better um where can we check out uh some more of your content i know i caught like a really good turkey hunting video that you guys put together where can we catch more of your content yeah so um pretty much like on my social media handle or aiden's starting to post a lot we're, we're going to start revamping um there's always kind of been a, a little bit of confusion because like out of bounds has always been a part of who just Santino is. And we're trying to create separation with that from the hunting content where I'm just putting a lot of stuff on my social, but 
Um, Hanwag Hunting, uh, we that's one of our accounts where we, you know, that, that's a boot company. And we're going to be putting like more short film stories up on their social media in addition to um, what we'll have. Anything that we put up on anyone else's stuff will pretty much also be shared or reshared on our page. Um, but then you can also see some of the hunts and things that we've done in the past that uh, on YouTube, and that's just um, a get out of bounds. So um, for the time being, yeah, that, that's where it's going to live. But as stuff drops, social media is probably the best bet because anytime we have any of our partners, we, we usually put it up there on there or reshare it. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, I, uh, you guys are so talented. Uh, uh, you and uh, uh, Aiden watching his stuff, you guys are so talented behind the lens. You guys really do tell the story just like you were stating you know a handful of minutes ago you guys tell the entire story and, and do a really good job of, of showing the entire process so i really enjoy it i'm gonna go check out more of it but um man you guys are doing great like uh, keep at it and i just can't tell you like how much i appreciate having you on the podcast and having these in-depth conversations and and i enjoy the conversations whether we're recording them or not um i, I really appreciate you keeping in touch throughout the year and i really pull for for your success and your boys success uh you're such a, a great leader in the outdoor space so i really appreciate you santino oh brian thank you man i really appreciate it that you're too kind and always love talking to you man it's just uh rolls off the tongue and, it, and it's just it's always a good conversation yeah well uh, uh keep well and uh we'll keep in touch all right sounds good thank you okay thank you all right guys that's a wrap fun conversation with Santino. I always enjoy talking to that guy and a a heck of a bow hunter. Uh, I also like um, the interest he takes in his kids and making sure he's getting them quality experiences. So just a great overall podcast. Thanks to him again for coming on. Uh, Thanks to Eastman's for their support. I want to thank uh, uh, Sig Sauer Optics for building great optics uh, and supporting the podcast as well as Black Rifle Coffee Company. Again, we've got a promo code. Uh, you can uh, get on the landing page, Black Rifle Coffee Company backslash Brian, uh, and that'll get you some off of their subscriptions or on some of their coffee. I also really like their apparel as well. Uh, it seems like I'm constantly wearing a hat or a shirt of theirs. Uh, just great apparel, great company, and we really appreciate their support. Over at Eastman's... Um, Oh, gosh, I'm not doing an intro. I'm doing an ending here. But, uh, yeah, over at Eastman's, make sure to check out everything we've got going on. And, um, man, I'm just in the mix here, just um, shooting my bow. I'm waiting for some arrows to show up to get my final setup and get dialed in here for bear season. But uh, shooting some arrows every day, uh, getting in my runs. It's been nasty winter conditions here, but I'm um, still getting out and getting some exercise. And, um, man, just in the mix in tag season right now, just trying to draw some quality tags and get my name in a bunch of hats and um, be fun. It's it's fun applying for these tags. Almost part of the fun of it is imagining if I draw them. So, um, yeah, just in for um, uh, all different species and uh, just got all my New Mexico app filled out. So uh, have that in the hat and uh, just keep putting in these applications and um, hopefully come up with some good tags and some great adventures for this year. I know I'll be headed somewhere. Uh, already have a couple tags in my pocket. So um, starting to scout on those as well just scouring through Google Earth and Onyx and um, really trying to learn some mountain ranges. So i uh, got some new places I'm hunting this season and uh, plans I'm putting together. And so um, 
yeah, it's been fun researching these things and, and trying to build a hunt plan for them. So uh, give myself a good chance at success this season. So uh, it is constant work, constant effort, but I absolutely love the game. So, um, yeah, just keep applying here. And before I know it, bear season will be here and uh, break into summer and um, get on some of these big adventure hunts. Uh, till then, get get a little work done and uh, be spending time with my family and doing all the little things. So um, thank you guys for the support. I appreciate you. And uh, that's a wrap this week. I'll check in with you next week with a new podcast from Eastman's Elevated.